they've got to, 10 seconds oh! remaining. Three, four, Looks like two. it's going to be a draw. Looks like it's heading for a draw. Maguire down the line. North. Oh! Hi everybody and welcome to the Lot Pod, the Lead Rhinos Lot 17 8 podcast, proudly sponsored by ACDMB, who are a branding and creative design agency based in Farsley, Leeds. They create standout brands, so if there's any companies out there who need a brand, a new brand, a brand refresh, a new logo, just get in touch with ACDMB and we'd like to thank them, as always, for sponsoring us on the Lot Pod. Well, this is another Lot Pod special, we've got a very, very special guest joining us today, um, Joining me for this one as co-host is um, Andrew. How are you, Andrew? Very well, thank you. Very much looking forward to this. One of my yeah, this one. Would you like to introduce our special guest, Andrew? Yeah, a player who uh, has amassed over fourteen hundred points uh, for the Leeds Rhinos. Possibly, possibly the first statement signing uh, under the Gary Heddington Paul Calic era. Uh, made his debut against Wigan, which we will talk about for the Rhinos back in April nineteen ninety seven. It's yeah. a very good evening to Yestin Harris. Uh, good evening. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you so yeah, much for giving up your time yesterday. It's an absolute honour to talk, no which I think to one of my first all-time legends, Absolutely. Uh, the Rhinos, back in sort of nine, in the early late nineties. So uh, we'll get sort of right into it. Uh, how did you first sort of get into rugby league, really, Estin? Um, Well, my, my my father played amateur rugby league in the uh, Oldham area from from Oldham myself. Um, and uh, yeah, just went down to watch him. Um, fell in love with the sport at probably 10, 11 years old, and uh, just, just went from there. It was, um, I wasn't very good, <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was uh, just always stuck on the edge of the uh, on the wing. I didn't really get involved too much until I was a little bit later, about 15, 16. Um, when I sort of grew physically a little bit, but uh, but yeah, I just fell in love with the sport from a young age and. It's all I ever wanted to do. And obviously, you made your, your senior debut with Warrington, what, in 93? What do you remember from your, your early days at Wilders, Paul? Um, just, just, it was an exceptionally good club, um, a good group of, of senior players at the club, um, some really good professionals to, yeah. to learn a lot off, um, you know, good staff there. Um, it was just an exceptionally good family club at the time, and yeah, I think you need that as a, as a youngster coming through. You need that foundation of a club um, and good pros to learn off and to learn how to act and how to be a professional. Um, yeah, really fond members of the club at Warrington. You know, still still good friends with with people from all the way back then, even now. So yeah, exceptionally good club. Mm. Now, ironically, you actually played against Leeds in the first ever game of Super League, and I think you actually scored in a twenty two eighteen victory for Warrington, if you remember right. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, it, it, you know, playing at Headingley was always always quite special. You always saw playing at Headingley as being a big game. Um, mm. You know, and I think people who do come to play for the Rhinos. They, you know, some struggle with that because 
you know, every team that comes to Henley, they treat it as a huge game for them, even though Leeds might not be at the top of the table or the other team might not be at the top of the table. They really sort of go to Henley and say, right, this is this is a big night. And, yeah. you know, and I think playing at Henley from being at Warrington or Bradford or wherever it was, it was always seen as, as, as a big night and a, uh, and a special night. Now, I want to sort of fast forward 12 months. First seen as a Super League. Leeds have struggled, finished ninth, I think, in the first year of Super League. Paul Caddick and Guy Huntington took over the club, made a few decent signings, likes of Paul Sterling, uh, Richie Blackmore joined, Wayne Collins joined, Martin Masella joined. And then around the Easter time, you joined. What do you remember of your move from, from Warrington in sort of Easter 97? Um, well, I, I, I was on tour in 96 uh, with, with Great Britain and, and Gray Hetherington was assistant coach um, with Great Britain at the time. And um, strangely enough, me and Gary were, were having a game of tennis, weirdly. Um, uh, and we was, I think Gary was one set to love up. Um, and then he had to race off. He got a call and had to race off. Um, and the actual call he got was something to do with the Rhinos. And he, he jumped on a plane uh, and went home and did the takeover with, with, with Paul Caddick at the time. Um, and then he called me probably 12 months later and said, do you fancy finishing the game of tennis? And, and you know, coming over to the Rhinos. And, and that's that's how it sort of started, really. Um, I was in a little bit of a dispute with 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 Warrington that had changed direction um, when Brian Johnson, the head coach at the time, who was somebody who I had huge admiration for, mm. had, had, um, had decided to leave the club and the, uh, the club changed direction. And, you know, I didn't feel as though it was right for me to be in that direction. And, you know, so Gary asked me whether I'd come over to Leeds and, yeah, you know, the, the rest was history, really. I went over and, and looked around the ground and looked at the stadium and, you know what the plans of, of Paul and, and Gary were, and uh, yeah, fell in love with it. Fell in love with the place. And you made your debut uh, off the bench uh, in a game. I think against Wigan. I think we're unlucky in that game. I think Andy Farrell kicked a, a last-minute drop goal for Wigan, and I think he set up a try for, for Phil Hassan in the second half. Yeah, look at yeah, in ninety, you know, ninety-seven was a strange. Um, Ninety-six, ninety-seven was a strange period in my career. I was um, I was still relatively young and. You know, as I said, I've been in dispute for, for a little bit of time with Warrington. Had several other players as well, and we'd made to do some weird and wonderful training. And actually, you know, joined Leeds. I was probably about two stone underweight um, when I joined Leeds, so it was a it was a fighting challenge to to get some weight back on and and um, you know get into some form of physical shape. So that so the ninety seven season was just about trying to find my feet at Leeds, and you know, but there was. Even then, the the atmosphere uh, for the Wigan game and the, the Saints game, my first two games were electrifying at, at Headingley, and you know you sort of fell in love with the South Stand and, and what they stood for and what the you know the mm-hmm. ground stood for. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was a great start to the career there, and, and sort of as soon as I'd been involved in them two games, I thought this was the right decision to make. Yeah, if I remember right, the Saints game was the one that Bobby Goulding uh, had a kick in front of the post to win, yeah, and I think he, I think he hit the post actually, and Leeds gone and beat the champions thirteen twelve at a packed Headingley. Yeah, he fluffed it, didn't he? Right in front of the, uh, in the and you know, I think I think Leeds probably needed something like that to to catapult them in because I think they've been through a been through a tough period as a, as a as a group of fans. I think they've been in a tough period and not a lot to shout about. And, you know, Bobby Goulding was one of them characters that you, you know you 
you loved to hate, didn't you? And and yeah. you know when he, I think he was good in the south stand on at the time, and and you know hit the post and it just erupted like it was a as a grand final. So I think that was the, the start of the love of the place that that I had that you know you could sort of create that atmosphere at a home ground. Uh, you know, not all Super League clubs can do that. Hmm. Now, um, so, sorry, Andy, I've just, just come to here. gate crash your interview. Hey, hey, sorry, yeah, I, I, hell? I can only be here for two minutes. <laughs> sorry, I can only be here. My had to do it. He had to. He had Cumbria and Biff. Yes, then. Cumbria and Biff. Brilliant. For those that aren't on video, the Welsh flag's out, the Yes, then Harry shirt's on. I've got to go back to work, but Yes, then. You couldn't resist, could you, Reese? Could not resist. Right. Off back to work. See you. I want to sort of fast forward to the off season in '97. Dean Bell steps aside, and, and Graham, the late Graham Murray, takes over. Oh, what yeah. did you know about Graham uh, before he arrived at Headingley? Uh, very little. Um, you know, very, very little indeed. Um, you know, D- Dean was a, was an exceptionally good coach. Um, you know, very tough coach. Uh, you know, he, he wanted things done a certain way. Um, and, you know, Graham coming in was completely different. Uh, it, very open to uh, to new ideas as a group. Um, you know, I think the group he inherited were an exceptionally key group to learn. Um, you know, there were some players that come from here, there and everywhere, but actually... Gary had, had not just done that randomly. I think he'd pick good people, which is you know the primarily most important thing to do when you when you're doing a big recruitment push is to pick good people. Mm-hmm. And, and he sort of accumulated a, a very good group of people and, and brought in an exceptionally talented coach. Um, and, and it sort of started to build some build some foundations at Edinburgh. I don't think had been built for for a long long time, to be honest. Now, obviously, one of the most proudest moments in your career, Graham made you captain. I'm, uh, I'm guessing that must have made you feel really proud. Uh, I think you were at 21 when you were made captain. Yeah, yeah it, it, it did. Um, do, do you know, I found that Graham sort of really challenged me as an individual, to be honest. And I think he challenged a lot of people as individuals, but, you know, sort of speaking from my own personal point, he, he, he really challenged me on absolutely everything. As regards to being a professional and what that stood for, and um, you know about being first at training and last to leave, and, you know we played a friendly game and I think I, I sort of made half a break and slipped, um, and you know he sort of after the game he said, "Well, I'd expect you to finish that, and I'm really disappointed that you'd slipped on the field." And you know, and it was uh, probably another coach wouldn't have even mentioned that he just had some real high standards that he expected of. Of me, and and you know, I felt as though I just wanted to to please him. Essentially, it's and I think mm. good coaches have that ability to to want players to to please them. And um, you know, he certainly had that from me. I, you know, everything I wanted to do was to was to get recognition of Graham that I was doing it well enough to 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 please him. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough that he he decided to make me captain at twenty one, twenty two because you know there yeah. was some really senior figures in the team at the time, people like Daryl Powell, who's now coach of Warrington, and, you know, Tony Kemp was there. You know, there's, there's some really senior individuals that probably would have made a better captain or, or you know, the, the, the more obvious captain. Um, mm. Yeah, but he, he put that on my shoulders and, you know, I felt that that sort of really worked for me. Now, your first game, your first 
competitive game as captain. Didn't quite go to plan. Uh, Andrew Schick, uh, if I remember rightly, uh, hit on a high ball and I think we're knocked out of the Challenge Cup uh, against Castleford. Did that help the team, though, because it gave them a focus uh, with the one target left to get to the grand final? Oh. Have we lost Justin? Is he still there? Yeah. I Would can hear you now. You just you disappeared oh, for a second. Oh, can you oh, hear me? You're back. Yeah. Your first yeah. game as, as captain was in the Challenge Cup against Castleford uh, in a Challenge Cup game live on the BBC, which we got beat. Uh, Andrew Schick, uh, I think, has got a late try. Did that game actually bring the squad closer together to have that one big game of, of getting to the first ever grand final? Yeah, I, th- I think it was our, our first batter disappointment, really. Mm. Um mm. And and at the time you sort of was bitterly disappointed that you're out of the Challenge Cup, but you know the, the the structure of the competition then was meant that there was three or four rounds in close concession um, together, and it actually extended our pre-season by three to four weeks, which at the time was terrific, um, you know. But it but it gave Graham some more time together, and Graham was a he was sort of my first coach that changed my philosophy on the game. Um, you know, I think growing up in the game it was. Um, you know, it was very much about uh, set moves. Um, it was very much about you know playing what you see. You know, is it to him for a certain certain play or whatever else? And Graham just sort of changed the whole thing on that. He just you know start to count numbers, start to count heads, look at, looking for space. You yeah. know, having a structure in and around. You people talk about structure and everything now, but Graham was the first one that brought a real structure into the way we played, and it was not more about tap penalty moves or certain set players. It was about a style of player that he got us playing together as a group. And I think that sort of three to four weeks really helped for us all to understand that because it was new to a lot of people. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I think one of the things he brought in as well, he, he brought in every, every every play, every structural um, philosophy he brought in was all about Leeds names. Um, you know, I think, you know, Everything was like sort of round A or, you know, Edinley or it was all in and around Leeds-centric things and it was an identity that he wanted to create. So, um, yeah, I think that in hindsight, that really helped us as a team to sort of grow in that three to four weeks. Now, second game of the season, uh, we make the short trip to Odsall, who had battered everybody the previous season. He scored a hat-trick. Was that the first statement of intent from the new Leeds Rhinos? Uh, yeah, I think so, because Bradford had been the team hadn't they, to beat at that yeah. point. Um, yeah, I think Wig- Wigan had, had been uh, an exceptionally good side, but Bradford in that sort of 97 period were, were very, very strong. And, and, and you know, you, there was an element of arrogance about them, which all the best teams have. And, you know, we we sort of wanted to go there and try and put a statement down that we we had the capability to, to mix at the top. We weren't thinking about grand final at the time. We were thinking about mixing at the top of the table. Yeah. And I think that was a, a sort of real pleasing result because I think they'd struggled against Bradford in, in you know, the few years previously. So it was, um, it, you know, a great statement of intent for, for us and, and probably gave me a bit of confidence in an individual as well. It was a it was a new role for me. I'd not really played fullback before and Graham had, had thrown me at fullback and, and, and put me into this new new thing that I'd never really considered playing before and, and you know that sort of gave me a little bit of confidence that probably that was a good position for me. 
Now, yeah. there's two other games of the early start of the season. The Wigan game at Headley, both teams, I think, had won the first six or seven games. Uh, I think it was Nip and Tuck, I think. Andy Hay uh, goes over for a late try in front, in front of the fans. Do you remember that game at all? I think a Friday night back in May. Yeah, you, you might have a better memory than me. I, I think, I think we've got uh, a better memory than most, yes, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I do remember. I think I do remember. I think probably I've seen I've seen um, footage of it, maybe, and that's my memory. I don't have uh, too many memories about things on the field, um, but yeah, it, it, again, we were trying to just compete against the best teams, and we had a big emphasis on on being physical as a group. Uh, mm. That was one of Graham's big mentalities was it was about being the toughest team and the most physical team and it helps when you have people like Barry McDermott on there and you know sort of Darren Fleary, Anthony Farrell and you know Adrian Morley was was coming awesome. through at the time. So you know when you've got that sort of physical presence in there and, and, and you've got a coach who's given a license to go and you know go and hunt essentially it was um it, it, it you know beating teams like Wigan was it was important that we grew as we grew as a team. And I think the week later, I think we went to Sheffield. We were 23-4 down. I think Moz had been sent off. And I think you kicked a penalty from 40 yards out to turn turn the game around and win his two points out there in Don Valley. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and again, uh, t- typical Graham, really, which, you know, Graham Murray coming off the field, you know, it, it, everyone was uh, sort of elated and he just came over and said, well, I expected you to get that, you know. And it was, it was his sort of standards, really, that, you know, he he made you feel as though you know everything was possible, and, and you know, and probably more everything is probable that he was expecting you to to deliver on that. You're the goal kicker; it's your job to get that, and Definitely. don't be giving me excuses for not doing it. So uh, he, he was he was very good at, at, at rattling your cage at the right time, Graham, but in in a good way, in a good way. Now we'd finished second, uh, obviously behind Wigan. Uh, we'd lost to Wigan, I think, seventeen four to the old Central Park, which meant games against Halifax and then St Helens to get to the grand final. What do you remember of the St Helens game? I think Franny Cummings got a hat trick that night, and we just brushed them aside quite convincingly. Yeah, look, look, yeah, I think I think Wigan was always our challenge. They, they we had a real two and fro sort of. Um, season with them they were they, they had some amazing talent in there and, and you know we, we we felt as though we, we we could beat them but we had to be at our best um you know so uh, we, we weren't too concerned about St Helens which sounds strange because St Helens are an amazing side but we weren't too concerned about the other teams getting there it was Wigan that we were nervous about um yeah. you know so yeah it was a, a good performance to get through but I think you know, we were at that stage where we were thinking about the grand final then. We sort of knew we were going to get there. It was just how we were going to get all of that hurdle. Now, obviously, I'll take you to October the 24th, 1998, the inaugural grand final against Wigan, I think, in front of 45,000 fans at Old Trafford. What were your memories of leading the team out in a grand final uh, for the first time? Yeah, pretty pretty, pretty intense. Um, you know, sort of Old Trafford is a, is a, is a sort of magical sta- stadium which has an amazing ability to, you know, the atmosphere to grow on you. Um, you know, you sort of walk through the tunnel in the corner and everything's above you and around you and surrounds you. Um, so so the, the atmosphere walking out there is quite unique. So we it was the first, obviously, time that anyone had experienced it. And, you know, sort of walking out into that arena for a, for a grand final because, you know, there's a lot of people saying it wasn't going to work and, 
you know, shouldn't be doing it that way. And, you know, you saw at the moment you walked out, you thought that, you know, this is real. This is this is a real sort of new era for the sport. And, yeah. you know, the game itself was physical. It was fast. Um, there was some real quality in it. Um, and, and, yeah, you just felt as though you was part of something that was the start of, a, of an era for Super League. And, yeah, you know, it was hugely disappointing to lose the game. But, you know, you felt... You know, off the back of that, you know, something new had been born really in, in Super League and it's it's gone from strength to strength, hasn't it, from there, that, that sort of grand final night. <coughs> like we took the lead through Richie Blackmore, I remember being behind the sticks in the pouring rain, thinking, yeah, I'm going to see Leeds win a trophy here and I still blame Billy Wiggs for that wonderful try at, at just before yeah. half-time that probably swung the momentum in Wigan's favour. Yeah, well, I blame Jamie Matthew because he brought the line because he was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the way through through the, the the week leading into it, that we that. just if he skips along the line, just stay stay square, don't jump the line. And, and Jamie Matthew decided to jump the line. So yeah, we were quite angry with Jamie there, but I'm sure we all make mistakes along our careers. But... Now, obviously, we finished the '98 season with a tinge of disappointment. You all go off to Lanzarote for pre-season, and then the Challenge Cup draws made. And guess what? We play Wigan. I bet yeah. you couldn't believe it as players that we were drawing one and two in the fourth round of the Challenge Cup. Do you, no, no. Do you know what? I think it really helped us um, because there, there was a sort of there was a feeling within the group that that um, Wigan was our Achilles' heel, and we needed to mm. get over that um, to be able to be successful. You, you know, you'll always have a team that you you feel as though you you know that's the one that will get you. And you, you need to be at your absolute best and. and Ours was Wigan that, that year, so you know to get them first up, um, I think was probably important. Um, you know that that it sort of set the standard that we have to be at our best at the start, and you know probably Wigan weren't expecting what they got really. You know I think Barry Mack got turned off didn't he after twenty minutes, and you know that we, we were sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah no, it was an accident, wasn't it? It was an accident. Um, but yeah, so to 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 get them with the stars they have at home was important because you know mm -hmm. the head in the crowd was you know hugely important to get behind us and and you know they once Barry got sent off they sort of erupted into into action and and sort of created an atmosphere that that allowed us to to sort of go on and beat an exceptionally good side. And then you beat Wigan, and guess what? We get St Helens. You must be thinking, crikey, this, the look of the draws is really against us here at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, I think I think it was Jamie Peacock said once to me that the, the Challenge Cup is a, is a cheap trophy that you think you could actually sneak all the way through to the final without playing anyone. But but then you can go 10 years without winning it. And, and uh, you know, and I think this mm -hmm. was one that wasn't cheap, really. You know, we'd have to beat in round one, then we play Saints, who was probably the next best team, and, and you know, again, we at that point, again, no disrespect to Saints, we felt like we had the better of Saints at that period. Um, they were, I think, were just growing into themselves. Saints, yeah. they were, you know, the school thoughts were just really starting to make a name for themselves. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we, Sean Longs was doing the same. You know, Bobby Goulding here had just finished and. You know, you felt as though they were just at the start of their little sort of transition period. So they weren't quite where they needed to be at that point. So you sort of you knew you had the better of them, but it was, you know, the sort of Bradford and and uh, and Wigan were the two the two that you were wary of.
Now, obviously, we beat Witness quite convincingly in the end. I think Andy Hay went over for a hat-trick at the Auto Quest. And then we go to the McAlpine, 23,000. 10-0 down, as usual, with Leeds. And then Ryan Sheridan scores, to me, what's one of the greatest tries I've ever seen. Uh, he nicks the ball off Danny Peacock. And lo and behold, yeah, obviously, Junior scores. Marcus St. Helene and yourself scores. What are your memories of that semi-final day against Bradford? Yeah, great game. Um, yeah, look, look, we, we, we were great. Um, we're, uh, yeah, we were poor at starting games and we always seemed to let teams get in front of us um, and it was something that Graham was on about us all the time about having better starts in the game and I think we went 10-0 down as you say and then you know Ryan got us back in the game sneak sneak one that we actually we really needed at that point we really needed that at that point it was against the run of play I think Bradford were in a relatively comfortable position and it sort of swung us back into a position where we felt we got ourselves on the front foot undeservedly. So, and then from there we just didn't let it go. Really, I think um, once we got ourselves in front, we had some really sort of experienced players that managed to control the game. Um, you know, we just wound the clock down and frustrated the life out of Bradford. And probably that was the the period which we thought we we belonged in in the sort of in the top tiers at that point or the top yeah. teams. At that and you know, an amazing short transition really from where it was at ninety seven to ninety nine. In two years, we'd taken ourselves to to competing at the top. So, um, yeah, we we were sort of ready to go on and win that silverware. I think. Now, from that game, we had a couple of defeats. If I remember right, we lost to Bradford the following Thursday, and then I think we lost away at Sheffield, where Danny Warren made his debut. Was it hard to focus on the Challenge Cup when you had league games in between? Yeah, impossible. Um, I think I think because because Leeds at that time had been starved of, of success. I think it was 26, 27 years, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, from silverware, and there was a there was a lot of pressure on because it was like, well, we're beating Bradford, we're beating Saints, we're beating Wigan, and it's only London in the final. It's going to be it's going to be a rollover, and and you know, there was a lot of pressure building, and and it was more about you didn't want to get injured going into that. Um, that Challenge Cup final, um, so and, and you wanted to make sure your form was good enough that you got selected. You know, mm. I remember going into the game before it, and I was still worried that I didn't play. If I didn't play well enough, Graham would leave me out. It was, it was. You still had that sort of feel. Um, so yeah, it was just a relief to get to to get to Wembley because um, actually it was the last last game at the old Wembley as well. Yeah. So you know, there's a little bit of that in you know steep in history that we. You know, nobody else had get an opportunity to play the old Wembley. So, you know, to be involved in it was was sort of hugely important. And obviously, I'll take you to May the 1st, 99. Uh, was there a lot of pressure on Leeds because there were such overwhelming favourites? Uh, obviously, no disrespect to London, but Leeds, a bigger, <laughs> bigger stature, were expected. To, I know we did win quite convincingly in the end, but was there pressure on at the start of that game? Yeah, I think it was more our own pressure, really. We were... Mm. We were sort of in a position where, you know, we I think 10 0 down, and, and yeah. we were sort of going, Look, they've not read the script, this London team, they've just not read it. They, they think they're writing their own script. And it, we, as I said, we always started games slowly, but we just sort of, uh, 10 minutes before half time, we just sort of started to click into gear, and you could you could feel it, it you know, as a, as a team, because you, you know, we had a lot of confidence at the time. You sort of could feel, you know, the sort of bigger players in our. And our group starting to play, starting to get into the groove, and you know, I think I think it was Brad Goddard, wasn't it, who scored just before half time, um, which took us into the lead at twelve ten, and 
there, there was very little, very little said at half time. It was just an, an element of confidence that you know, okay, we're, we're good to go now. Let's just click into gear and go. So even though it was very tight at half time, it was probably the most confident dressing room I've been in. You know that you felt like, oh, right. You know, there's, there's there's no problems here. It's all it's all gonna it's all gonna click and go. And it must be nice to relax with 15 minutes to go, knowing that you'd be going up those stairs to let the Charms Cup. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, you know, it was great for Leroy Rivette to get the four tries, which yeah. you know he, he brought the record, and you know, amazing for him. Um, you know, to, to, some guys to to score at Wembley was was is always special. I think. You know, Barry Mack scored off a tap, and you know some real characters and big personalities within our group managed to to score tries in 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 you know the the sort of highest profile game that they played in. So, you know, there was a there was a lot of firsts in that game, and and, and as you say, walking up the steps um, was it was pretty immense to be honest. You know, it's one of them things that that, that live with you as a as a group, and um, you, you you look back and think you'd, you'd have done things differently or done it a certain different way, but you've always got that but it was uh, yeah it was pretty pretty special day to be honest now unfortunately two days three days later we had to go to St Helens which I still don't understand to this day mm -hmm. how you can yeah. win a Challenge Cup final and place nine three days later and I know we got tonked but later on in the season we just kind of hit form again we had a brilliant run I think in June we won at Wigan we hammered Bradford where we got our first ever 40-20 from Daryl Powell beat Cass and there must have been some real high hopes that the team could go on and do the double that season yeah, there was, and, and I think there was a lot of speculation around Graham Maria, the coach, who was, um, you know, is he going back to Australia, is he not? And then he made an announcement that he was going to go back. Um, and I think that sort of released a little bit of pressure on us, which it was like, well, let's just play and see what happens. Um, you know, sort of, but then as it got closer to the end of the season, like the sort of momentum on Graham leaving probably started to take take the highlights or the spotlight off of everything else really and it, it sort of affected us towards the back end of the year and we, we sort of fizzled out which was which was really disappointing but um you know as a season for a whole you know to lift silverware for the first time in 26 27 years was you know was pretty special as a group and you know you felt as though at that point that the, the group the group of players with a couple of additions was ready to really really kick on and you know, it's just such a shame at that point we didn't manage to do it. Um, but we certainly laid some some really good foundations. Now, there's one particular game from that season, which I'm sure you'll remember. July 15th, 1999, Leeds ran as 86, uh, Huddersfield Giants 6, Yeston Harris 42 points, which I think was a record. Yeah. At the yeah. uh, <laughs> what do you remember of, yeah. of that night at Headingley? Um, yeah, look, look. I, I remember uh, little bits and bats of it. Um, you know, never scored a Yeah, it's still the record now, which is great. But um, you, you weren't thinking about that at the time. You know, one of my really good friends, Dave King, who, who lives in Australia, and I was playing in the opposition. I was more and about more worried about getting a, a shot on Dave King and getting one over on Dave than than actually anything else. But yeah, you know. to, to to score that many points in a game is, um, I think you look back now and you think, yeah, you know, it was a it was a great achievement. But but you know, at the time, you just right, okay, what game's next? What comes next? And, and I think yeah. you do a little bit of that, and I think all players do a little bit of that. You don't actually appreciate anything at the time because all you're thinking is about, you know, what's next, what next, what next. You know, I was 
fortunate enough to play over 500 games in my career. So you, for 500 weeks, you're thinking about what comes next and, and mm. you never actually appreciate anything. Mm. Now, obviously, Graham left in, in, in what, the end of the 99 season. Dean Lance came in and apart from the Challenge Cup, we got off to a really poor start in the year 2000. What do you think changed in the early days of, of Dean, Dean's era at Headingley? Um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I, I, I think Dean made a mistake in coming in early. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he came. He came over in in '99. Um, yeah. When Graham was still coach, he came over for six weeks um, to look and assess. And, and, and Graham invited into some training sessions, and he gave some some ideas um, how he could how we could improve the team and try to implement them in '99, um, which was strange at the time, but, you know, we, we sort of did that. And then I think when he came in in 2000, it wasn't a clean line. It wasn't a clean slate. It was, well, it's, you know, it's Dean who's already been in. We've already seen some of these ideas and, you know, and he, he, he probably ruffled a few feathers of people, that, staff members that have been there a long time, which which upset a few people. And, yeah, I think he, he, he probably mismanaged the situation uh, a little bit um, and and I think Leeds had been very good in my time up to that point in making sure that the overseas players were good um, and I think probably Dean went for more names than than anything else you know I think Brett Mullins came in didn't really play too many games and Bradley Clyde came in he was an exceptional exceptional uh, professional but just couldn't get on the field um, you know Tony Carroll came in with his with his own unique personality and, you know, the, the, the sort of chemistry of, of the group and, and that sort of hard working mentality had sort of been lost with Graham. Um, and, and in my time, we never really picked that, picked that back up. Saying, saying that, we still got to the Challenge Cup final at Murrayfield, which from the three days before the game was about 100 metres underwater uh, against Bradford Bulls. What was the mentality going to that Challenge Cup final compared to the game against London 12 months earlier? Um, well, yeah, it was obviously disappointing. We, we, we wanted to win and expected to win. Um, slightly different than it wasn't at Wembley. It was at Murrayfield. As you said, it was under waterlogged the day before, so it was very heavy on the foot. Bradford and a, a very big pack at the time, and, and it sort of worked for them a little bit, the conditions. Um you know, but it, again, I, I'm careful not to be critical here because I, I don't want to be critical of any individual or anything. But I think the expectation of Graham would have been a half time ago and win this game, and this is how we do it. Whereas I don't think that expectation was quite there at half time. Um, and, I, and I think that was a, a big, big reasoning behind why we didn't want to win that. Because we should have done, we should have won yeah. that game. I agree. Yeah. We still had a very good run uh, in 2000. I think we won 13 on the trot. Honestly, Keith came in the previous, back in the previous 99 season. And was there a belief that the team could go all the way to the grand final under Dean Lance, or was that probably a step too far? No, I, th I think we had momentum too. Um, mm. And I think you look, you look, every athlete, if you play the game at a higher level, they'll always have a belief that they should, they should win games, and you, you want to win games. And, we, we certainly we certainly had that belief. Um, there was a bit of disruption in everything, and, and and I thought at that point then that the, the the transition was starting. You know, you you you, you I remember at the start of that sort of two thousand 
sort of season. You, you, I always used to love watching the academy before the game, and you could see, you know, Rob Burrow flashing around and Danny Maguire flashing around, and you know, Kevin's in the side, and you could mm. see this all these amazing kids coming through, and you could feel that there was an involvement of the club starting to happen. Um, and, and you sort of knew that, you know, there was going to be a, a big transition period coming and there'll probably be a couple of years where these kids have got to come through. But you just knew the club was in, in good, safe hands with them, with them kids coming through. And it was just a matter of the club keeping hold of them. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. They managed to keep hold of them. And over the next four or five years, they, they developed into an exceptionally good side. And the, the following year, 2001, we, we start the season in, in good form. We win at Swinton, scoring a century of points. Uh, yeah. And then I think we went to Cass on the BBC, won the Challenge Cup and beat Hull. And then St Helens uh, to Wigan in the Challenge Cup semi-final. Do you think that was kind of Dean's last real hope of, of silverware, obviously, before uh, he did move on? Um yeah, yeah. Look, look. Yeah, I think I think there was. Um, I think at that point there was there was enough rumblings that things perhaps weren't quite right and needed to to change. And I think everybody internally at that point would have said, "Well, we do we do things differently, and you could change things differently." And you know, and I think we probably probably could have done. But um, yeah, you just felt as though Dean had lost that confidence and his mojo a little bit, and. Mm-hmm. You know, the sort of when your head coach loses that, I think that the sort of group tends to lose that along with it. And, uh, you know, and, and as I said a little bit earlier in this, I think St. Helens were involved in, you know, your, your Sean Longs were in there and your, you know, your, yeah, sort no, of, yeah, your James Robis was coming through, you, you know, your, your Paul School thoughts were, were in full swing and, you know, they're, they're involved. They were probably about two to three years in front of where Leeds' kids were. Um, you know, so they were they were a very very good side at the time. Now, obviously, you played with Daryl uh, literally a season beforehand. What was that like having him coaching you after so soon after he retired? Oh, yeah. The yeah, look, yeah, it was it was. Uh, we were really good friends, me and Daryl. Um, mm. You know, we did a lot lot together. We'd spend a lot of social time together and coffee shops or whatever. He actually got drinking coffee. Um, <laughs> never drank coffee at the time, so I met Daryl. Um, and, you know, I, I spent a lot of, lot of time with Daryl. Uh, you know, sort of Daryl then came in as a head coach and, I, you know, I th- thought he thought he had to change and become you know, sort of not as friendly with everybody, but more of a senior head coach and, mm-hmm. and, and, and had to stand his ground a little bit. And, and, you know, but at the time he's a young coach. He's, you know, he's a baby in coaching terms and mm-hmm. experience in our terms. But, um, yeah, it, it was great to play underneath him for, for, for them two to three months and, you know, another time maybe I'd have stayed longer, but it was just at that period. It was just the uh, you know the right the right time I felt that um, that you know, I needed to move a little bit. Now in Daryl's second game, I know we went back to Wilders Point. I know we got beat quite convincingly, but a young fella by the name of Rob Burrow whizzed in and out, whizzed in and out, and I think that was as you rightly say there the first signs that the likes of Burrow and Maguire were coming through at Headingley. Hmm. Yeah, look, I, I saw it at a train. We used to do a training uh, night uh, once a month at the club, which was everybody had trained together, first team, mm. reserves, academy, scholarship. Mm. Uh, and we used to all train on the Headley Stadium, you know, sort of probably 60, 70, 
you know young kids up to up to senior senior first team members and you'd go around in little groups and I remember we you did this drill which was a two on two you'd kick a ball down and you'd you'd have to go and tackle two players and and we kicked it down to little Rob Burrow um, and and he absolutely skinned me on the outside he was lightning and and it was like who is this kid who is this kid and he'd have been about fifteen I think at the time. Um, wow. You know, and you sort of knew then, well, my, you know, anybody who's got that speed, uh, I've I'm not seen it since Jason Robinson, you know, yeah. that sort of electrifying pace off the mark. Um, and, and I was just in a training session at Headingley. So when he was in the in the team, you know, for that day, it, was, it wasn't a surprise at all. He was, he, he was super, super little player, super little player. Now... You moved to Cardiff, obviously, in in two thousand and one. Was it just a case that you feel you'd, you'd you'd achieved what you could do at Leeds uh, in your four years there? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think that that was the case at all. Um, I've I've never been one for staying too long anywhere. It's just, <laughs> just my, it's just it's just my nature. If I've I think I've moved houses ten times. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's, just, it's just what I've always do it it's just yeah. it's just my personality i get frustrated if i get anywhere or in any anything for too long mm-hmm. um I, I just felt at that time i thought there was a lot more to do at leeds i thought there was um yeah i thought it was a great club um a great place to be you could see that the kids are coming through it, it was just it was just i was always one for a challenge and i'd never played the union um Mm-hmm. I would, I'd been to watch a, a, an international at the, uh, the the old Cardiff Arms um, mm-hmm. stadium in front of 90,000 people, and and it was just like this 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 looks awesome. And, you know, to 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 be involved internationally at, at that level is unfortunately um, in rugby league you don't get that opportunity. You know, you get it maybe once every four years. Um, but I, even then, it was Wales and, and England. So for Wales, you didn't really get the same atmosphere. Mm. Club. So, you know, to, to go and play in the Six Nations and a, and being involved in a World Cup in Australia with with rugby union was something that I just thought I need to have a, a little crack at this. It's a real challenge for me and and, and an adventure for the family. Mm. And obviously, you came back to, to rugby league uh, with Bradford. I think you saw firsthand of. The talents of the likes of Maguire, Burrow, Simfield uh, in the grand final of two thousand and four. Yeah, look, yeah, it's um, you know obviously it was controversial at the time I moved to Bradford. I'm I'm and I'm I'm comfortable with that decision. It was uh, you know Tony Smith I think rang me at the time to to come to come back to Leeds and, and Gary had met me and you know it was about coming back. But you know I was looking at it and I'm going look you've got Burrow, you've got Maguire, you've got Simfield. You know, you've got all these kids coming through, and you know it's it's not right for the twenty-eight year old who's been there before. And I don't think any player should ever go back. I don't think it's ever the same when when somebody goes back. Um, and I just felt it was probably not right for me to go back. Um, it was nothing to do with anything financially. It was just a it was just a decision of mine that it just wasn't right to go back to somewhere which had. Which I'd enjoyed immensely, and I just felt like a different challenge was was important. Now I've watched a fantastic documentary on the Super League YouTube site of how Bradford won the uh, the Super League in two thousand and five. I think you won the last yeah. thirteen games. What do you remember of that grand final against Leeds? 
Uh, well, they, they got the better of us in 2004. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, that was the start of their um, journey to, to, to a sustained, successful period. Um, you know, and, and they probably had the, the better of us in 2005. But what, what we probably had was a bit more experience than them. And, yeah. and we'd had a lot of confidence going into it. I think we'd finished fifth and, and we'd gone the last 12 games unbeaten. So... We had an exceptionally confident team going into the, the grand final. And, um, we just felt as though we we could strangle Leeds out of it because of the experience we had and the size we had. And um, but again, that game could have gone either way. It was it was you know it was one of them. They, they had a couple of chances and then take them, and we had a couple and took them. And mm. anyone who's played in grand finals will tell you that's the difference. It probably gets if you get six, you're lucky. In a grand yeah. final, um, you know, and if you take three of the six, you'll probably be on the winning side. If you, if you don't, then you'll be on the losing side. And I think they did it to us in two thousand and four, and we did it to them in two thousand and five. And so, I find from me, what do you make of Rowan, Rowan Smith's Rhino side this time around? I know they've lost young Harry Newman for the season. They're on a bit of a roll at the moment, aren't they? Do you know? I mean, amazing things internally coming out of the place, uh, particularly yeah. about Rowan as a coach. Um, mm. uh, you know, I, I didn't know too much of him when he when he came over. I, I'm, I'm hearing, yeah, I'm hearing that the, the detail he's given to the players is is really high end. Um, you know, the players that I speak to within the group have got a real strong belief he's the right person. Um, and I think as this year, I think what you find, unfortunately, is a lot of bans and a lot of injuries. Fortunately, you've got a really healthy, healthy, energetic, um, fit side that's that's coming into the playoffs. And if they can scratch into the playoffs, yeah, there's there's nothing we'll to say. <laughs> well, there's nothing to say they couldn't. There really yeah. isn't. Yeah, I think if you look at Saints, they look. I'm not saying tired, but they. Mm. They look as though they, you know, they've got some injuries, and, and Wigan have got a couple of injuries now. And you know, Leeds look the freshest team. It's just whether they've 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 do enough to get into the playoffs to be able to scratch in. I think there's a big game coming up. I think Cass Salford in a couple of weeks, and Leeds play Cass, and all the teams around each other play each other, and it just makes for an exciting end to the season, I guess. Yeah, it does, and, and you know, it's great to see some momentum back at Leeds because it's not been there, has it, for a. No, for a few years, it's been a, a little bit frustrating to, to watch and, and, and see from afar. But you feel as though there's a little bit of a momentum shift and you feel as though that they're getting some good players in good positions. Um, yeah, you, you feel as though Leeds are on the start of another little involvement. Um, and, you know, hopefully so. Eddie, all yours. Um, just got some questions from our listeners, yes, Tim. I'll just fire some yeah. your way now. Uh, this one's from John Winter. John asks, who was the best coach you ever worked with in your career? Um, probably uh, Graham Murray. Um, yeah. uh, just just purely and simply because he, he, he changed my whole whole philosophy on the game. Um, yeah. just, just from you know, from the way he thought about it and his standards. Um Either him or, or, or a guy called Steve Hansen. Uh, Steve Hansen was the Welsh national coach at the time when I was there. He's, he's just been the All Blacks coach, just won two back-to-back World Cups with the All Blacks. And very similar to Graham, his, his standards were just ridiculously high of what he expected of each individual. And, and I've sort of come to learn that about coaches, that it's probably not the most 
technically gifted of, of head coaches that are generally the most successful. It's the ones that have got the highest standards and, and expect the highest standards of their individuals. And, and, you know, them two would probably stand out above the, uh, above the pack. Brilliant. Next question from Stephen Hodgson. Stephen asks, was the reaction more intense than you expected when you did return back to Headingley with Bradford? Do you know, I didn't even think about it. I honestly mm. didn't even think about it. Um, all, all I thought was, look, I, I want to come back to the league. It's, it's that, yeah. that yeah. time. And I'd, I'd just actually been picked in the 50 for the Lions and, and they were mm. asking me to stay to go into the Lions tour. And it was just right for us at the time to come back. And it was rather worth it. Well, I think Leeds don't need a half. I think Bradford do. You know, mm. perfect fit. You know, I'd chat with Brian Noble. And it, it was only really, I'd, you know, I'd, uh, when I'd actually signed and, and then it all started to, to erupt. Uh, <laughs> probably realise how controversial it was. Um, I'd not overly thought about it, which which is probably naive on my account. Uh, I've got a few on your ex-teammates, whether it's Leeds, Rugby Union, whatever. Uh, the best trainer... You ever played alongside? Best trainer would be probably, probably, probably JP. Um, yeah. Bradford. Um, mm. Just, just when he was in the gym and just whenever he did anything, he was just he was just intense. Um, Good you know, he, Yeah, you just so he would be best best trainer. Him or Stu Field and. Um, who was yeah. just you know, freak, freak physically. Uh, the biggest mourner that you've ever played with? Uh, Keith Senior. Loves a mourner, Keith. One of the questions here, Yestin, is uh, the tightest person you've ever played with. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, Keith's name has been mentioned once or twice on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Away from that, you know, he's got long arm, short pocket, something so short arm, one pocket. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he won't be too, he won't be too far away from it, to be honest, Keith. Yeah, the um, the funniest teammate you've ever had, uh, just Freud's personality and and his, his dry sense of humor, probably Barry Mack. Um, I, I, we, we travelled over, travelled over for three, four, five years when I was at Leeds on yeah. a daily basis from Oldham. So we had some, we had some really sort of good times travelling over. So he had a, you know, great practical joker and was quite happy to take a joke as well. I think he could give one out, but he was happy to take it. So yeah, yeah. probably followed by a Mac, and you can see that in his personality. Um, the toughest player you've ever played with? I'm sure Barry were up there. Yeah, def- definitely so. But Barry was definitely there. Um, toughest, yeah, really difficult one. Um, mm. Played with you know some really tough kids like Paul Schoolthorpe internationally was great. I played Andy Farrell internationally. He was tough as the tough as they come. Um, JP tough. Um, yeah, really difficult. Really difficult. Probably, probably Lee Radford. Probably Lee Radford. Oh, yeah. at Bradford. Yeah, he, he he wasn't the most talented of players, but you you knew he threw he throw his body in, throw absolutely everything in. Um, Anthony Farrell with Leeds again, tough, tough. 
you knew you knew that if there was a bit of trouble, he'd be, he'd be right there and he'd pull you out of the way and he'd be first in line to go. So, yeah, it's really difficult to say because there's some really tough athletes out there, isn't there? Um, this is quite a unique question to ask someone who was incredibly skillful, but the most skillful player you've played alongside? Uh, Jonathan Davis. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, he, I played with him at Warrington and with Wales, and just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Just his ability, just to beat a man, you know, sort of accelerate through a gap, chip and chase, whatever, whatever, whatever you asked him to do, he was capable of doing. Um, in 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 abundance, he was just sensational, skillful player. His try that he scored for Great Britain uh, against Australia in the Ashes in '94 at Wembley will live long in the memory. I think he took Brett Mullins along the on the outside, and I think that was a day that Sean Edwards actually got sent off, and Great Britain won with 12 men. So, yeah, yeah. that one that certainly sticks in the memory. Yeah, and again, out of nothing, wasn't it? In yeah. away acceleration, and just you know, Brett Mullins as fullback, um, exceptionally quick, quicker than Jonathan, but. Jonathan managed to find a way to, to stay on the outside of him because of his ability. So, yeah, to, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant player. When uh, when Graham did leave, Graham Morris of it, to, and took Adrian Morley with him to the NRL, was there any, ever a conversation to take yourself over there with him? I think he totally couldn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, he, he, he told me that later that he... he yeah, I had a couple of chances to go to the NRL, uh, and and you, you, I don't like the word regrets because you will all have regrets in life. Yeah. It's just it's just choices we make, isn't it? But yeah, you know, if, looking back, if you know, the, to to go to the NRL is probably something that I, in hindsight, would have loved to have done, and and you know, I had a couple of times to do it, and and sort of said it wasn't the right time. But I don't think there's ever a right time to do anything, as there in life. You just you just gotta you just gotta do it sometimes and probably miss, miss that chance. Absolutely. What was your favourite position that you played on the on rugby league at halfback, fullback? Which one did you prefer? Uh probably fullback, uh, mm. to a point where physically I could do it. Um, you mm. know, I, I had a sort of bad injury in rugby union and, and lost a bit of pain. Um so at that point fullback wouldn't have been right for me. I had to play half back, but the the, the um you know, when I was sort of in my early to mid twenties, that fullback position was great because you could see everything unfolding. You could turn up where you wanted to, and you know, I'd love to have been at the at my sort of peak physically and and be in the game today, where the you know the fullbacks sort of an exceptionally moveable part. Um, mm. you know, you, you, I get excited to see people like Jake Connor and you yeah. know, sort of Jay Field and. You know all these athletes turning up and creating opportunities on the edge. You know I think that was that that sort of style of play is what Graham had just started to bring in at the time at Leeds. Uh, but even all them years ago, he he was starting to think that way at that point. I think you were the first one. Like you mentioned there, that you mentioned Jai Field, I think you, yes, were the first one of that type in in Super League. I think you were a pioneer in that, and obviously Graham played a big part in that. Ian's asked us a question. Um, what difference did the depth of the onside defensive line make in creating attacking plays in rugby union and rugby league? Are there things that work in rugby union that you could that when you came back and vice versa? Could you in, in terms of attacking structures? 
Did, did um, it it's very, very, very difficult because mm. in rugby league, as, as the, the easiest way to describe in rugby league, you know you've got. You know, yeah. you sort of know that as a half, you're going to have a back row on your outside shoulder, so you know yeah. you've got that. Right. You're going to have a, a front row on your inside. You've got your full back on the edge. Mm. In union, you haven't got a clue what you're going to get because there's that many rooks that you can. You think you've got a, a centre on your outside shoulder, and suddenly he's in the rock and. Next thing you've got off and a hooker, and, and then trying to play a player that they have no idea what they're doing. So it, it, it's it's a lot more difficult to play a, a structured way in rugby union, and, and I think that's why they have a lot more set pieces in mm. rugby union. So you get that opportunity to have your fixed and, and set personnel. Um, I think people always look at it and go, "Well, if I was rugby league, I could do this in rugby union," and it's not as easy as as what it looks sometimes. Did you, how did you find that transition when you did first go to Rugby Union? Did you find it quite easy to get into the swing of things? Uh, no, the first year was a nightmare. Um, so mm. so I, I went over, Graham Henry was coach at the time, and, and Graham had sort of said, look, come over, um, do six months, um, and then after six months, we'll get you in the Six Nations off the bench and start to introduce you in. Yeah. And I, I played my first game in Wales, and... and I scored a hat trick in a in a um, in a Heineken Cup game, and then the second game was uh, Wales versus um, Australia. No, Wales versus Argentina, and um, he picked me as a, as a fly half in, in the Welsh team. So my second ever game was for Wales at an international against a, a really good top international side. And I just did not have a clue what I was doing. Um, mm. And it sort of really knocked my confidence, really knocked my confidence that. So I, mm. it took me it took me six months to rebuild that um, and wow. sort of get a good understanding of the game. So I only really got to grips with it after 18 months, I think. Wow. Quite well, well. And then obviously when you returned to Rugby League, did you just slot back in like riding a bike? No, no not particularly, no, because I was, I was heavier. I was heavier. Um, mm. In union, that they, they tend to want you a little bit heavier. At that time, they did. At that time, they did. So I was, I was a, a little bit heavier. Um, so it took me some time to sort of trim back down. Um, and I was older as well. I was older as well. So yeah, I think you're a different player. I think if you look at any player at 20, 21, 22, they're a different player to what they are at twenty nine, thirty. So mm. it, it was, it was try to evolve your game in coming back into because my. The conception was it'll just be as it was, but it it, it wasn't because physically you're not in the same position. You're not the same as you were when you were previously. Yeah. Is there any players that you in either club that you wish you could have played alongside? Um, what you mean as in the same team? Um, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I love to play with the Paul brothers. Um, yeah. I played with Robbie. Played with Robbie. Uh, Robbie had. Mm. I'm not saying he'd gone physically, but he was 34 at the time, 33. Mm. So he was he was struggling physically at that point, but Robbie and Henry at their absolute peak yeah. um, would have been unbelievable to play with. Unbelievable, they were they were just freak freaks of nature. Good I'll play. always be grateful for Robbie Paul knocking the ball on at Old Trafford in Me 2004. Too. Best luck one ever. Obviously, enabled Danny McGuire to score when he tries. So you got your avenger now, five. So we'll, we'll have that one. Uh, yeah, yes, Tim. Thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Just um, tell us what you're up to. What's how's life for you now after rugby league and what you're up to these days? 
Yeah, good. So, so I own a, uh, a sports agency at the moment. So we've, mm-hmm. we've got a lot of rugby league players. We look after a lot of um, rugby league guys. Oh, Kevin Brown worked full time for me. So me and Kev Brown uh, work together. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so we've been doing that. Well, I've I've been doing that about eight years now. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, so we, um, you know, we sort of look after some of the Leeds boys, which is which is good. So it's um, yeah, it keeps you. I sort of wanted to be out of the performance side of sport, but still wanted to be involved in sport. And this is just the, the sort of perfect, perfect setup, really. For me. Yeah, perfect middle yeah. ground. Yes, Tim, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you here. Awesome. You're one of my childhood heroes. Thanks a lot for coming on. Brilliant. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you. 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 Thank